Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever since he launched the incredibly strange film festival all those years ago, Ant Timpson's name has been associated with edgy, bizarre, confrontational and occasionally gloriously inspired. Since then, he's also been the convener and curator of the extraordinary riches of the 48-hour film challenge, but it's clearly not enough. He's crossed the line as first producer of his own films, titles like Housebound, Deathgasm, The Field Guide to Evil and The Notorious Greasy Strangler. And now, look out, Sam Raimi, Eli Roth and John Carpenter. And Timpson joins them as a fully-fledged director. His first film has the ominous title, Come to Daddy. And welcome to the show. Wow, thank you, Simon. Quite an introduction. This is not actually your first crack at directing, according to IMDb. You once made a short film called Crab Boy, didn't you? I did. I did I did the, the, the classic first film, angst-ridden, first time out of the gate, black and white, 35mm short. Rather experimental, inspired by the works of Todd Browning. Yeah, I've just been revisiting it. I hadn't seen it for a long time. It was kind of hidden. Crazy enough, there's actually some similar themes to, to Come to Daddy involving fathers and sons. Well, I was going to ask about that because, I mean, this thing was, believe it or not, was actually inspired by, as they say, real-life events. This is a, It was inspired by your own um, relationship with your father, wasn't it, in some ways? Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of how I, a lot of sons are sort of in awe and, and sometimes abject terror of their dads throughout their lives, it was more inspired by his passing than anything and just those unanswered questions that sons and fathers have and I guess mothers and daughters as well. When, when There's things you wish you'd said and got off your chest before that will they go and you never do even even if you think you do have those heart-to-heart ones there's always going to be questions that um, are never going to be fulfilled so that's kind of um, a lot of the meat to the history of the film and then the process of dealing with the grief as partner at the time thought it would be really good to have this cathartic experience of being with the body for over a period of a week so the siblings uh, all did that and then I had my and amongst all that I spent probably most of the time with him at night in a coffin uh, in his house sleeping in his bed and and wearing and smelling his clothes and getting into that whole <laughs> grieving process, which was extraordinary, uh, creepy, surreal, sad and heartbreaking. Every, everything rolled into one. It was, I felt it was like Looney Tunes at the time, but I'm so glad it happened. I wish everyone could go through it. I think we might be giving the audience a slightly distorted view of what this movie is about, because I can tell you right now, there's not a lot of sitting around the place and musing about mortality. I was trying to set it up as a very classy film, so, um, but yes, it's not, a, it's not an angst-ridden um, maudlin melodrama. It's a wild, dark comedy ride. I don't know about your family, but our family definitely used gallows humour a lot of the time to deal with <laughs> with horrific, tragic events. So, and I think possibly it is instinctually a Kiwi thing to brush off horrible things with a, with a bit of humour as a coping mechanism. It is a very Kiwi film in some respects, particularly in its attitude to swearing, which is enthusiastic, I think you could say, in this <laughs> one. <laughs> but in fact, the film is actually shot in Canada, isn't it? It was on an island in Canada, and we just ended up shipping a lot of Kiwis up because it was summer, and we just turned into a big sort of summer camp for everyone. And even though... All filmmaking is like hell on earth. It's always a struggle and a battle. It was a really nice sort of uh, meshing between the two countries because, you know, these days, every one of these sort of films of this budget level are kind of co-production. This is where we're heading in this world. It's the days of single funding from any one sort of entity are, are kind of long gone. So they have to be, these sort of multi-country. And even Ireland was involved in this 
one as well. But yeah, it was a, it was a true collaboration. Uh, it definitely, to me, feels distinctly Kiwi, mainly just because uh, hopefully it's me oozing out throughout the film, <laughs> my Kiwiness. You've got a really interesting cast here, actually. I mean, that seems to scream indeed. Well, he's basically a New Zealander anyway, is, is Elijah Wood, who is, uh, I'm sure people know from Lord of the Rings and many other great movies. He and I were old friends, so he was the first person I sort of approached with the script, uh, which is written by Toby Harvard, who's a, a writer that we'd worked with together on The Greasy Strangler. And once he was on, then it was a lot easier to sort of approach other actors. And I've always loved the work of Stephen McHattie, who is a, a phenomenal Canadian actor who's been acting for 50-plus years. Uh, who terrified me because I'd seen red carpet interviews with him where he destroyed journalists and I was really, really looking forward to being put under the gun by him and then um, Martin Donovan's in it. He's fascinating. He's probably been in more indie films than anybody in the world, I would say, Martin Donovan. Yeah, those with a long long memory probably remember Martin from um, his association with Hal Hartley's movies. Then he's just gone on to be in all types of genres and... um, you know, huge films and smaller films. And um, and then we've got Madeline Sami, of course, who does a, a beautiful uh, comic turn in the film at a surprise moment, which I don't want to get into spoilers. It's a very spoiler-heavy movie. Film. It's going to be very difficult, and I don't want to tell the story, so I think perhaps it might be over to you here, and just at, at least set up the, the beginning set of the, the movie. Premise. Yeah, what's the premise? First of all, it's not a, um, a sleazy film. Let's just get it out of the way. With a title like Come to Daddy, <laughs> their mind goes straight to the gutter. But it's really a reunion film between a father and son. And Elijah Wood plays a hipster, L.A. Uh, pretentious DJ um, associated with the music industry who's been brought up and uh, surrounded by wealth in Beverly Hills. And he gets a, a letter out of the blue from his estranged dad that he hasn't seen for 30 years. So we kind of kicked the film off with um, him knocking on the door and meeting his dad, who is not what he thought it was going to be a heartwarming, lovely reunion. It's a very awkward bonding between the two of them before things start going even more awry. It's a film where we wanted to really take people on a, on a lot of chicanes, and just when they think it's playing out the way it's expected, um, we do a 180 handbrake and, and try something new. And I really love those sort of films that don't play out in a pedestrian manner, because I just mm. feel like we get you know dumbed down to all the time, so it's nice to keep them on their toes. One thing about the horror scene right now, Anton, you'd probably know more about this than anybody, is that it's changed quite a bit. It's a lot creepier in a lot of ways. I think of the works of Jordan Peele, Get Out and Us, and also particularly Ari Aster, who did a movie that I could barely watch called Hereditary and another one called Midsummer this year. Yeah. Look, there's there's new terms for all these films. Like, I I don't call uh, my film a straight-out horror film by a long shot because it's definitely more of the sort of British comic thrillers that I grew up with in the 70s is the vein, but no, they used to have the term uh, elevated horror, which is basically mean well-written horror, uh, and then now now the, the great one is adjacent horror is the big term that they use for sales <laughs> for these films. What does um, that mean? Horror adja- sorry, horror, horror adjacent is, is the term yeah, that I've heard popping up quite a few times. Well, but you yeah, mean so it's, it's, a, it's a CD that you find next to a horror film CD or something? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much is in the next aisle. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, the bottom line, things like Midsummer and everything, and Jordan Peele's work, they get nominated for Oscars. It's kind of blown it out. I just think it's so past that. It's like good films are good films, and we don't need to sort of get down into boxing them into these sort of ridiculous categories. If you like something, you recommend it to someone. It's like, go see it because it's fun. Because I know people say, I just don't like horror films. And it's like, well, it's not really. It's like, you, you might, you know, did you like Fargo? 
great. Well, then you might like this. It's frustrating as a filmmaker that people want to put your thing into the small chamber when you know that you know, it might appeal to a wider audience than that. One of the temptations when you're making your first major film, Ant, is you want to put in all the bits of all your favourite films. Quentin Tarantino is the name that leaps to mind. And did you find yourself doing the same thing here where you thought, whatever happens, this shot will go in or this element will, will go into this film? I wish I was that prepared that I had like structured and broken down everyone else's films and, and Xerox them into, into perfect scenes. But no, I mean, you end up just being overwhelmed by trying to be true to the script that you've been working on in my place working with a writer for such a long time that you're kind of in that headspace straight away so unless it was formulated from word go with the script if you did that you'd be shoehorning something completely oddball that you're inspired by into something that that doesn't actually mesh with because it's not honest to Mm. the original written source materials and tonally because we go all over the show so it was a real high wire act to try and balance it because i knew that we were teetering on the edge of derailing at any moment because we go from heartfelt sort of sentimental stuff and then into like crazy wacky sort of more extreme material and trying to keep everything together um, while we switch lanes. I can imagine that writing the tone must have been the hardest thing about a a film like this because as you say there are several extreme left turns that happen throughout the film. Yeah to be honest as a first-time filmmaker I was hugely reliant on great performance and also working with phenomenal editors, um, people like Cal, uh, Dan Kirscher, who edited the film, Cal Stevens, who scored it, and having smart producers like I surrounded myself with brilliant people. So I had a lot of confidence knowing that if I just focused on what I needed to do, everyone else is going to do what they needed to do, and <laughs> hopefully it all comes out in the wash. I was obsessive about other people's films for so long that when it came to my own one, I probably took it to the next level of obsessiveness in terms of like trying to make sure it all works. Was the experience of directing different from what you were expecting? I didn't realise how um, invigorated I was going to feel after it all. Like The film was a massive defibrillator and I just got like, the biggest zap <laughs> of my life that pulled me out of a very comfortable cocoon and put me into these hugely challenging positions, which I really loved. I loved um, torturing my, my mind and my, and my body, and um, it felt like being very alive for the... It met all my expectations and exceeded them as well, so it was a rush. For any first-time directors out there, and I mean, do you have one instructive piece of advice that you would give them? Yeah, don't beat yourself up about trying to make the best film in the world. Just make it. <laughs> <laughs> just, just get out there and do it. Do you want to do it again? Do you gonna, have you got another one up your sleeve? No, Simon, I'd do it tomorrow if someone let me. <laughs> Plans are afoot, as they say. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.